from 12 years old and under to come up, please. Come on up here. All of you 12 years old and under, come on up here by me. Come on. There you go. Here's, a bra here's my first brave one. <laughs> come on, all of you. 12 and under. 12 and under. Amen. Here they come. Yeah. Look, I just want y'all to see our next generation, how blessed we are. This is awesome. Is any of them hiding? Here comes the baby. Yeah, she's even teaching these babies. Seriously, she's been making those babies. One of them tried to eat the offering. The other one was not letting go today. So even as babies, she's helping the babies bring the offering. So 12 and under. How many of you, boys and girls, because one of the things that, that I was saying and the pastor's already saying is that God wants you to recognize your children. The, the disciples said to the children, now go away and don't be bothering God. And sometimes we got to put them to the sideline. And Jesus said, no, you stop that. Suffer the little children. Come unto me. And we are that example for them. This is our next generation. And we're going to lose them. And I was sitting here thinking about when I was here in revival in 2009. And most of the ones I was with have already grown. And some are still here, but some are gone. And we are that influence to them in this house as well as in our homes. So even though they're not your children, they are your children. This is our responsibility as the church to look after them and to make sure they like church, enjoy church. I don't want to see them coming, and they dread it. I, I, I loved in the revival, even though they ran and played and had their little capes and had Superman and Wonder. I don't know what all, but that they were in the super, and we were in the supernatural, and they were loving it. They had sticks and everything. But I'll tell you, those kids went home and told the parents what I preached. And when I gave out sticks, they carried their sticks around and said, Mom, we're supposed to keep fire burning. And th those kids would tell the parents when I preached on the giant killers and gave out rocks, they took their rock. And they were a part of everything. And some of them to this, I've had some come up to me in the years and tell me, I still have that stick you gave me. So we make a great influence in their life. And one other thing, because i got something for the kids here in a minute. But one other thing, too. I remember when we had our entertainment company and when me and Randy got right with the Lord and several of them came in and started following with us, I had several who told me, you know, my best years of my life when I was younger was when I was in church and I got away from God. And when you and Randy gave your heart to God, it reminded me my best years and I decided to go back to church. These are going to either be their best years or their worst years. And we have a part to play in that. How many of you here like stories? Do you like stories? And nobody here? You like stories. And you like stories. And you like stories. Amen. And you like stories. Yeah. What is, what is somebody's favorite story? What's your favorite story, Jack? Bibles. The Bible's his favorite story. Wow. What's your favorite story? Somebody else. Okay. John. John. Right. I mean, even if it's uh, Superman or Frozen, I don't care. I just want to know what's your favorite. What do you like? You got a favorite story, uh, too? What's your favorite Bible story? You know what mine was? Y'all want to know what mine was? David and Goliath. <laughs> 
I love that one. How that there's a bully, because how many of us had bullies pick on us? Yes, I have. And there was a bully trying to pick on the people. And David, who was a young child like y'all, said, how dare you defy the armies of God? Got brave. He said, what are you grown-ups doing hiding? You're supposed to be fighting. And he said, I'll take care of that giant. And they're like, you're just a kid. Yeah, but I know about God. And he was the one who took a slingshot. He didn't even have a sword or a gun or a machine gun or a bomb. He just took a slingshot because he knew that God was on his side. And he wound that thing up and he hit that giant in the head. But the giant asked him before he did, he said, so how are you going to kill me? He said, I'm going to use your sword. Told that giant, I'm going to use your sword and I'm going to chop your head off. Right? So I like these stories. Amen. And you did? All right. That's good. You must watch Veggie Tales or something. <laughs> and we can do it. Amen. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, through the blood. Now, amen. So we love stories. And that's one of the reasons why children's church and coming to church is to learn these stories to help you. How many of you brought your Bibles with you today? Any of you children? Start bringing it. Start bringing it. If you love that Bible and you love the stories, there are going to be better stories than all these movies you could watch. Now, I want you to say something with me, and we're going to let you go here in a minute to Children's Church. Okay? Say, I read my, if I read my Bible and pray, do right, live right, I will be blessed. Now, all of you can say it with me, too. If I read my Bible and pray, do right, live right, I will be blessed. Amen. And so I'm going to give each of you a dollar to remember that you are blessed. There you go. There you go. There you go. You, every time when you look at that or before, I'm sorry, before you spend it, just remember, say, I am blessed. Right? There you go. And I bet sometimes if y'all would bring your Bible and show people, who knows what they might do for you. There you go. You, that one you can keep. Don't eat it. <laughs> yeah, it gets nasty. <laughs> He's still a kid at heart. <laughs> yeah. Now, one more thing before I dismiss them, and I don't know what age do you take Miracle when you take them back there? One to six? Okay, but I want Miracle, I want Graceland, where some of the others that we, uh, I want, um, Caleb, thank you, I was, my brain went blank, who else was in the revival as a child growing up here, 2009 on, okay, I want you three to come, all of you children step forward here, come on, come on up, yeah, no telling how many hands it's been on. My mother and them always used to tell me we put money in our mouth. She said, that's dirty. And I think, it doesn't seem dirty to me. It buys things. I like it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
Now, I want you three, I'm going to hand you the mic, and I want you to pray over these children that they will be finishers of the faith. However the Lord lays upon your heart, I want you to pray over them because we want them to be finishers as I want you. I prayed over y'all during revival to be finishers, and I believe even the others that are not here, they will be back. They will be. Who wants to start? Jesus, I pray over these children of the church and that they will be, they will grow up in your word and that they will be blessed in all of you and all of your ways and you will just bless them and they will grow in your ways and do what you want them to do and you're calling for them, God. Amen. God, I ask that they'll never forget you and that they'll never leave you and, and they know that you'll, you'll never leave them and that you'll just bless them and keep them. And, amen. When you are a child or childlike, there is a natural excitement about life. So God, I just ask for a spiritual excitement. I ask for excitement in the word, in these stories, in these parables, in the spirit realm. I ask for a spirit of excitement over them, just as we have in the natural with being childlike or being a child. I ask for that excitement to come alive and live and breathe within these children in Jesus' name. Awesome. Awesome. Do you know that they used to be right where y'all are? And look, they're still here. Amen. Isn't that awesome? All right. Miracle, the ones you need, you go ahead and take them. And the others, y'all give them a hand, and you may be seated. Thank y'all. Awesome. Aren't you proud? They get to go to children's church. There was miracle. Because you get to go hear some stories. Does that sound good? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. So I guess you've got some more kids coming because I had some more dollars here. So that means more is coming. Amen. And that's what we want. <laughs> Which last three? <laughs> oh, you and Mark and Donna? <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Wow. What a great finale in the end part of the worship. My goodness. We just about ready to, the fire's uh, burning and about ready to take off like rockets. I started saying, let's just stay right there. Yeah, it's exciting. Well, I know some of you are like used to getting out early, but I don't only come sometimes but once a year. So might as well go ahead, strap yourself in, and enjoy. Amen? 
because I don't always get to be here, but I'm always glad when I get to. I love this church. I love y'all, and it's good to see new faces. It's good to meet new people every time I come here, and it's also good to see the old faces, just to see how you're growing in the Lord and how things that, that you're still being faithful and hanging in there, because it's been some hard times. Amen? But he never promised us a rose garden. He promised us heaven that is the rose garden. Better than that. He's saying what's ahead, no matter what, be a finisher of the faith, it will be worth it all. I said it will be worth it all, no matter how bad it gets. Amen. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to help the words that I speak be the words you want. Quicken our hearts, O Lord, and let us be refreshed, renewed, restored. And we thank you for your grace and mercy and fun and joy in Jesus' name. And before I start, there is a story that needs to be told, and I'm going to ask Jenny to come up. She's been on a search and rescue mission, her and uh, Caleb and some others last night. And Holly came in telling me, and I was like, wow, and and so, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Last night, you saw on search and rescue, weren't you? Didn't even realize it. See, sometimes God will put you on search and rescue, and you don't even know it. But already God was operating just from the sermon. And so I want her to tell this story. The title of my message today is Tell the Stories. Yes, Lord, we give you glory. Well, um, last night we had some friends visiting from Madison. And... Uh, Holly and the children, they've been on me every night. We want to go to IHOP restaurant and eat after the service. I'm like, no, I'm tired. I want to go home and go to bed. And I, I, and anyway, so, but I felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, you need to go celebrate. I said, okay, we're going. So we drove all the way up to Clarksville at 1130 at night. And, uh, we got up to IHOP, and the sign said they weren't taking any dine-in customers that night. And we were like, and they were turning away lots of people. And, and so we stood out there, and we all had our mouths set yes. for, oh. for something really good to eat. <laughs> and then we got disappointed. <laughs> but then um, I, I think Caleb said, hey, there's a Waffle, waffle House is open. And over on Charlestown Road. So we said, okay, we're all going. We zoomed over to Waffle House, okay, and we get in there, and they seat us and everything. We just had a good time of fellowship and was just having a good old time. Well, there was a young man in there that was a server, and he caught my attention as soon as I walked in. Um, and I just, you know, in in your spirit, you you just connected. You're I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about, but anyway, I didn't talk to him, anything like that. When we were leaving the restaurant, we walked out to the parking lot. We were hugging, all saying goodbye. Well, that young man was over in the back of the restaurant, and he was taking his smoke break. And um, he said, y'all have a good night. And the Lord said, he's reaching out. And I said... I pray angels around you right now in Jesus' name. And he said, what? <laughs> he, it, it, he was like, you see what? <laughs> and I said, well, I said, I love Jesus, and I'm a follower of God. And I said, he listens to what I say. And 
I asked him to put angels around you. And he said, oh, thank you. And here he come. He just came to us. He came to us. And so we stood there and we just talked. His name's CJ. He's 27 years old. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and he just, um, he just started opening up and telling us everything. He's been going through hard times and, and he's just doesn't have any hope. The church, you know, he grew up in church. And, you know, he just, he's believed a lot of lies of the enemy. And, I mean, and a lot of it is real, you know. We don't always love well church sometimes. It's just the truth. And um, anyway, so that last night, it's like I wanted to say all kinds of things. But really, he just needed me to hug him and love him and pray over him and tell him not to give up, that God has a plan for him, and, you know, start speaking the word over him. And when I took his hand, he said, Will you, I said, can I pray for you? And he said, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Cigarette in his mouth. And he said, will you take my hands? I took his hands, and, and his eyes are just so empty. He just needs, uh, he needs Jesus. He needs us to love him. And, you know, and he was just so grateful, so grateful, so grateful. And <clears throat> where do you go to church? Where do you go to church? And I gave him the address of church, and I gave him my phone number, and... Um, he said, can you give me a hug? I said, I'd love to give you a hug. And I just held him. And then Caleb, he got some words for him. And uh, I think it spoke life to him. Amen. And uh, we went home and we prayed for CJ on the way home. And I'm believing God's got his hand on that young man. Amen. It was a divine appointment. That's And we told him that. Well, we went to IHOP first. God had us come over here to Waffle House. He said, just for me. He knew. He knew. So, you know, I miss opportunities all the time. But last night, you know, it's like, Lord, don't let that go away. Don't let that. Don't let us miss the opportunities that they just... We don't have to be afraid. We have Jesus in us, and all, all we need to do is just love them. That's it. Love on them. Show them the way. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I'm telling you, Holly, come in. She is so bounced up. In the, hey, man, come on. She said, you won't believe what happened tonight. Jenny and them led a young man to the Lord. So, Lord, we just pray right now, we all agree together that you're going to seal what you have done with CJ. And that, Lord, no matter what he thinks, that he thinks he's going to step away, it, the seed's already been planted. 
and CJ is going to get in totally. And hopefully he'll even come here and visit, even if it's not. this may not be his church, and it may. But it, it, he will come and say, I want you to know I'm getting stronger every day. And so, Lord, we just pray angels around him to stay encamped about him, the blood of Jesus cover him. Satan, you're not getting that one. I believe there would have been suicide and some other things happening because all hope was gone. But God brought hope and brought life. And he will begin to turn around because the seed was planted as a child. He used to be in church and got away. So I thank you, Lord. You reminded us of the children. Keep an eye on our children. This whole church, an eye on these children in this church. That they grow and go in God. In Jesus' name, amen. And come on, let's give God a hand for that. That's a, all the angels in heaven were celebrating over CJ last night, amen. So we're celebrating with him today. He is our brother in the Lord. And no matter what pitfalls he goes through, we're still his family, amen, wherever he is. So, And that's why, I mean, it wasn't just because of this story, but today I... I I went to bed thinking another message, but I got up early this morning, and the Lord changed it to tell the stories. And it started one day that we were in um, Kingman, Indiana. And Randy's told this story, and I'll have him come for some of you who hadn't heard this story, about a woman who had breast cancer and how God, he saw it, and what God did and the miracle he did. And so I was getting ready to preach, and Randy was doing as he normally does, sharing before I come up. And he was telling this story I'm going to have him tell. And as he's telling this story, I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking about my sermon. And I already know the story. And so that's okay. And da 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 And I'm thinking, okay, and this party will probably tell this. And this and okay, come on. And i got to get ready. And the Lord, while I'm doing that kind of ha ha ah yeah 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 the Lord said, that's my story. Do my stories get old to you? I said, no, sir. He said, do the people crossing the Red Sea, does that story get old to you? And I said, no, sir. He said, does it get old to you about Noah's ark? And, and that, I said, no, sir. He said, by Paul and, and Silas being in prison, does those stories get old to you? And I said, no, sir. He said, that's my story too, and it should not get old to you. And God wants you to know that your stories are not old. Your stories are fresh and new every day when you tell it to people. Your story of salvation, your story of healing, your story of deliverance. I don't care if you've told it a million times. God said, it's my story, and my story. Stories do not get old. So, honey, come share this story about the lady in New York. Some of you have heard it before, but you're going to hear it again because these stories don't get old. <laughs> Remember, too, that, that, that when you come up uh, like Jenny did last night and, and you have somebody that, that is there, uh, tell your story. Tell your story. You know, what do I say? Tell your story. Amen. How you got saved, and how do you know something you wouldn't say or you said wouldn't touch that person? Hallelujah. Okay, we were in upstate New York, and we had just gotten through with the service. Joanna had preached, and we prayed for people, and we were actually sitting down in the front row. And this young lady in the praise team came up to us, 
and, and looked at me, and I don't know why she picked me, you know, sometimes instead of her, that kind of strange to me sometimes, you know, people like for her to pray for you, you know, but she came right over to me and said, would you pray for me? I said, absolutely. And I said, she's been up here playing the whole time. I still don't know how you guys stay up here and play so long. It just freaks me out. I, I, I appreciate that so much. Yeah. Uh, yes, one more time. And I said, why don't you just sit down? Because I know you've been up here. And, and so she sat down, and and uh, and another fella came over and sat down. I, I had to assume that was her husband, and I didn't know that. Um, and so I I uh, uh, started to uh, lay my hand on her forehead, and the Lord stopped me, and he said, tell her this. I said, you have breast cancer. And she looked like I had just slapped her across the face. She said, how did you know that? Nobody knows that. This is my husband, and he don't even know it. I said, well, he does now, <laughs> along with a few other people in here, you know. And I said, now I'm going to tell you a few things, and I want you to listen. This is what I'm seeing. Now, I see things, okay? They, they're sometimes strange, but nevertheless, I see them because they're from him. Amen? So I said, I, said, I see this thing. It's, it's actually in, in uh, your right breast. And I, I can describe it for you. I said, it looks like uh, like my little finger, about that long. And on the end of it, what it looks like to me is tentacles moving. That's the only thing I knew how to say, right? And there was a dry erase board close. And Joanna said, well, go there and draw it on the board. I said, okay. So I drew it. Well, when I did that, people looked at me like I just came from Mars, you know, and said, yeah, this is, dude is weird. And I said, well... If you think that's strange, wait till you listen to what I'm fixing to tell you right now. Now, listen to me real close. This is going to sound a little weird to you. But I said, what I see is that thing, whatever it is, cancer or whatever, I don't know what it was. I said, I see it moving out of your right breast into your left breast, not leaving a hole or a scar or anything, and then coming right out in midair right here and disappears that's what I see well now they really thought I was from Mars you know what I'm saying we had gone yeah see at that time not a thing happened okay follow me now not one thing happened why because Randy and Joanna are not the healer but that don't mean you don't get healed amen okay so we were about, we were roughly, say, eight months, and we saw her again, and she says, I have a story to tell you. We go, oh, yeah, you know. And so she starts in, and she said, I had gone for this, this amount of time, and this thing had, had not grown, nor had it shrunk at all. It just stayed the same. But people kept putting pressure on her to have this thing cut out. She finally succumbed and said, okay, fine. Got to the hospital. They got her prepped. And, and y'all know if you've ever been operated on how they draw with a martelot on you where they're going to cut and all this kind of stuff. Already had that done. Doctor came into her, started talking to her and said, look, I'm going to go check my machines and I'm going to be right back. Just stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Well, she, he was gone for a long time. He finally comes back and he has this weird look on his face. 
And it, she said he even looked like he turned a little white, a little ashen, you know. And uh, and he said, uh, uh, get dressed and come into my office. So she thought, oh, no. So she got dressed, went into the office. He sat down and he said, tell me what that man said. She told him. He said, tell me again. She, she had to tell him three times what I told her. He goes, she goes, what's going on here? He said, while I was watching my machine on you, I saw that thing move from your right breast into your left breast, not leaving a hole or a scar, coming right out in the midair. And he said, it was so real, I grabbed at it. And it poof, disappeared. Wow. Isn't that great? But I'm not through. The doctor's Muslim. Come on. Come on. All right. The rest of the story. I'm Paul Harvey here. The rest of the story, you know. The rest of the story is this man is Muslim. He believed in what he believed in. Amen. Not what Jesus. But Jesus showed him a miracle he could not deny. It was right in front of his eyes. That man gave his heart to the Lord and, and, and became a Christian and is today saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. I'll never forget when he was telling that story at Becky's. And, and at that time, I wasn't like right there with him. I was like... And all of a sudden, when the Lord said, as my stories get, I begin to break and I begin to cry. And everybody could see me on the edge of the pulpit just <laughs> I'm weeping hard. And then he hands me the mic and I can't hardly speak. And the Lord says, that's my story. Don't you ever let my stories get old. In church, we cannot do that. His stories never get old. He even said to them in Psalm 78, 5 through 8, God commanded that the stories of his mighty acts in Israel, history, and his laws be passed on from parents to children. What are they trying to do in our country? They're trying to destroy the stories. They're trying to destroy history. They're trying to destroy the truth. But the truth sets us free. Satan can think he can wipe out everything he's not able to. One thing he can't stop, he can tear down statues. He can tear down Ten Commandments. He can take these things and destroy them from buildings and from statues. But he cannot take our story. He told Joshua when they were crossing over, he said, you get 12 stones like the 12 tribes of Israel. And when you cross over and the priests touch the water, the waters will part. But you're to carry those stones across. And when you get to the other side, you will build a memorial. And that memorial will stand that every time when people pass by and your children and your children's children and your children's children and ask, what is that? You will tell them the stories, how you 
you crossed over in Jordan to come and take the Holy Land. This is the land flowing with milk and honey. But the stories will go even deeper than that because they will ask, how did you come to Jordan and why? And it will go all the way back to Egypt when my people cried out and said, enough is enough is enough. We can't take it no more, God, please. Get us out of here. Where's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Save us. Help us. And God said, I hear a cry. And he said, oh, tell Pharaoh, I said, let my people go. And because of that, they went and crossed the Red Sea. And from the Red Sea, when they crossed on dry land, they had manna every day. Their clothes never wore out. And they had a fire by night and a cloud by day. They had three miracles a day, not counting all the miracles when I brought water out of rock, when I fed them, when I told them when to stop and when to go. All miracle after miracle after miracle. Even in sickness and even in plagues. When the plague came, I said, tell them to go to the pole and look up where the snake is wrapped around. The medical field uses that symbol to this day. But I'm going to tell you, they can't hold up what Dr. Jesus does. They can steal all the symbols they want of what God does. But the one who does it is still Dr. Jesus. He paid the price on Calvary that you may be healed, that you may be saved, and that you may be delivered. And the reason we're here today is because each and every one of us in this room have a story. And God said, it's time you start telling people your story. It's time you start remembering what I have done for you instead of letting the devil torment you of what's going on with you. He said, start thinking back of everything I've done for you and start counting your blessings and watch your baskets overflow. Watch that you will begin to find your net to get full because as I preached last night, he's in our boat. When he stepped into Peter's boat in Luke 5, he said, now let's cast out a little bit because I want to talk to these people. But he also wanted to get us to go a little further with him. But when he realizes that we're going to go with him, he said, now it's time to go deep. (laughs) We're going to launch out into the deep because you're going to have a story to tell about miracles and blessings. Because when I say cast your net to the other side, you're not going to be able to hold what I got for you. So much so the boats were sinking. God will take the natural to do the supernatural. It's the natural things that we are dealing with, but it's the supernatural things that override those natural things where the enemy says, you cannot get saved, you're bound forever. You cannot get healed, I've got this. Doctors have given up hope on you. And you cannot get delivered from your drugs and alcoholism and pornography and all these other things that are evil and and they're to destroy you. And God says, yes, you can because I already paid it all on Calvary that you may be set free. And it comes through the stories. It comes through his story of the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension to the right hand of the Father. And he not rose again 
Even if he rose again and just walked among us on earth, it still would not have the effect of him and had he not ascended to the right hand of the Father. Because he could only still be in certain territories, at certain places, at certain times. But once he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he's in Africa right now. He's in Hawaii right now. He, not because he's on vacation like we'd like to go, but because he can be everywhere. He's in Dallas. He's in Greenville, Indiana. And he says, I am everywhere. And my story will set you free. My story will heal and deliver you because I am the Lord your healer Joel 1 and 3 says tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation so even his word is telling us to tell the stories and to keep telling it through the generations and in Exodus 10 and 2, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of the son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may know that I am the Lord. That's why he wants to be Lord of your life. So it is important to tell our children and people about God's work in our part and to help them see what is doing right now. You see, I'll never forget I was in Bryan, Texas, and as I was there, I was preaching away a sermon, and it had nothing to do, but in the middle of my sermon, I stopped and I said, I don't know why, but I keep feeling the Lord nudging me. Tell this story. Tell this story, and I'm thinking, it don't fit. This don't fit with the sermon, God. He said, tell them about Edith Tripp. I thought, that don't fit with this sermon. But I said, I don't know why. Y'all, please forgive me. I know it's cutting in the middle of where, you know, sometimes you get in that highlight of your message and you're about ready to hit that giant in the head. And God says, tell this story. Wait, wait, wait. This is going to ruin everything. See, God knows what he's doing because he'll set things up for just that one. When there were thousands at the pool of Bethesda, he didn't stop for the thousands. He stopped for that one that time. There was times at thousands, and he healed them all. But this particular day, he stopped for that one. And so I stopped, and I began to tell the Edith Tripp story. Some of you may have heard it, but I'm going to retell it today because I already told you. They don't get old. Now, Edith Tripp, if, uh, some of you might have heard of them. They've been on TBN and all that stuff, Edith and Laverne Tripp. And she was in Houston with me. They were preaching there, and so was Judy Jacobs, and we had some others, and I was also ministering with them. And I think it was the Encounter with the King Conference or something. And it was my night to preach. All of them had preached, and I thought, oh, Lord, now, you know, all these big names and stuff, and I got to go preach. But they, as I was getting ready, they came knocking on my door because we were stayed in the prophet's quarters right there at the church. And they said, quick, are you ready? And I said, yeah. I, I mean, I got a few minutes. They said, no, no, no. Edith Tripp wants to talk to you in the office. You need to hurry and come on over. And I thought, well, tell her to wait till after church. I'm, I got to preach tonight. I don't want to visit right now. But they just kept on. So finally I went in and she said, I know that we haven't met, but I know your father. And I said, you do? She said, when I was a little girl, I got bit by a mosquito or some kind of bug, and it got infected. In fact, it was so bad, they were going to cut my foot off. And I heard on your dad on the radio, I told my mom, Mom, could we go to that tent meeting of Jack Coe's and let him pray for me before they cut my foot off? 
And so they said, my mom took me to the meeting. We were in the line for prayer. And when I raised up to show him where it bit me down on my ankle, he reached down and looked at that. And he said, you blood-sucking demon, come out of this little girl. She said, I thought, I got a blood-sucking demon. I got a blood-sucking demon. She said, but all of a sudden, that thing scabbed over, and the next day, the scab fell off, and all I've got is this scar, and I still have this scar to this day. And people know my story about this because sometimes I show them this scar. In fact, my grandkids come in all the time saying, Grandma, show my friends your blood-sucking demon scar. <laughs> Amen. I was like, wow, thank you. And I was excited because I love to hear the stories about my father. I was five years old when my dad passed away, so I lived through the stories of what his life and what he accomplished, and I read the stories about him, and I see the DVDs and CDs. And now I'm in Columbia, and we're praying for people. My husband told me when I left, four people are going to come out of wheelchairs. I was like, yeah, so everybody I ran into in every church, wheelchair. All right, one of you going, there's going to be four of you. Let's go, let's go. And, and, of course, some of them know. I said, do you want to come out of that wheelchair? Well, I don't know. Just pray for me. I'm thinking, what? So I got to one, and we prayed, and Holly was there. He was paralyzed from his waist down. He got up, and he walked in this Nazarene church that we were in and also was a boy that had the shakes real bad, and I'm trying to, and, and he walked across the stage because he couldn't even walk, and that miracle happened. So there was the first that come out of the wheelchair of that man paralyzed, and then we had another one, and then we got to this other church, and, and, and there was wheelchairs lined all along the front. I thought, man, there's a bunch here tonight. And so I went to the first one in the wheelchair. You ready to get up? And they said, well, you know, I, I've been shot with a bullet. I don't think I can get up. I said, I know, but tonight could be your night. No, I, I, I really don't. And by the time I got to the third person, I came to this lady and I said, and I would ask them, why are you in this wheelchair? What happened to you? And she said, well, I had something bite me back here. I don't know if it was a mosquito or some kind of bug. And she said it got infected and it paralyzed me. And I haven't been able to walk now for eight years. I've been paralyzed from my waist down. I said, aha, blood-sucking demon. <laughs> I didn't even think about that till she said it, and I knew now why God wanted me to hear that story because he was coming after another blood-sucking demon. And I said, no problem, lean forward. And I ran my hand down her back, and I said, you blood-sucking demon, come out of her. You're not going to get to stay in here, and everything you've destroyed in this body where she can't walk, she will walk, and you will not be here no more. Vacate these premises now in the name of Jesus. I said, now are you ready to walk? She said, yes. I said, I think so. I told the guy, help me get her up. She hadn't got up in eight years. We grabbed one side of her arm. I grabbed the other. We pulled her up. We drug her for a while. I said, you're going to walk in Jesus' name. I said, you're going to walk. A couple of times I kind of kicked at the leg. Come on, in the name of Jesus. It's okay. She was paralyzed. She didn't feel it. <laughs> walk, I said. 
He said, my daddy comes out at me sometimes. And about that time, those legs that were so limp and, and dragging, and she was about to take me to the ground because I wasn't as strong as that man his side. He was stronger to hold her up. I'm like, uh. And about that time, I felt this strength coming in her. And now I was just a support base. And she's walking, and she's walking, and she's walking, and she's walking, and she's walking. And pretty soon, I even let go, and so did he, and we let her walk on her lawn, on, and all of a sudden, here come a girl with her wheelchair. They're over there, in Spanish, I didn't know Spanish, and I said to my interpreter, what's going on? He said, that girl's telling her, well, okay, come on, get in your chair, and I'll push you back there. And she's saying, no, I'll push you, I just got out. I said, she's talking right. And when I told those stories, all of a sudden, there in Bryan, Texas, when I had stopped the middle of my sermon and started telling those stories this woman in the back screamed and jumped up and said that's what's wrong with me now I know I've got a blood-sucking demon and she was running toward me as she was saying it and she stood right here in front of me that's it that's it get the blood-sucking demon out of me I was like well, uh, 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 I thought I was gonna finish my sermon but I didn't Woo, all of a sudden, the power of God fell in that place, began to pray. You foul, blood-sucking demon, come out of this woman. I mean, the woman was about to go home. She had been laying on the pew. Her friend had convinced her to come, and she said, I don't think I can stay. I'm so weak and so sick. But when I spoke that, life came into her because God knew she was fixing to leave. I didn't. And when she did, she got the strength to run up, and that blood-sucking demon came out. And today she is still alive. And that was several years ago. And come to find out, she was a missionary. She said, I hadn't been able to go back on the mission field. She said, she had called it some kind of bug in there. I've got it, her testimony on video and stuff because it was amazing what God had done. I'm here to tell you the stories that Jesus over 2,000 years ago who did miracles and healing is still doing it today. I'm here to tell you that the stories of salvation is still happening today. The stories of the prodigals coming home, my story, which even the other night just telling my story affected somebody else because that was their story. Your story is important to what God wants spoken to others because it's God. God's story who did it to you. It's God's story who set you free. It's God's story who changed everything in your life. And the healings that he's done in your body. It's his story. Don't ever think your story's been told so much. And if one of your friends or children or spouses says, oh, no, you're going to tell that again? You say, I'll pray for you in a minute. When I get through with my story, you need deliverance. Because I'm going to tell it again because it ain't my story. It's God's story. And the Lord is telling you, tell your story. If you don't know how to search and rescue, you say, Sister Joanna, some who was here for that meeting when I preached on search and rescue, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to talk to someone. God will set it up where you can't go to IHOP and you have to go to Waffle House and talk to somebody. He'll do it. And you say, but I don't know what to say, but I feel like I'm supposed to talk to that person and pray for him. Tell your story. Just say, we didn't. I mean, that was a story in itself. Just not even her story about her being saved, just the story 
IHOP was closed, so we had to come here. And we believe God brought us here just for you. And then once you open that door, then you can start telling how he set you free and what he did for you. Run across somebody in, in a store in Cracker Bear. I'll never forget one time this lady had this red. Now, you don't see many red walkers. Well, there's one over there. That's got a pretty red, isn't it? She had a pretty red walker. Or is that a wheelchair? That's a pretty red wheelchair. This woman had a pretty red walker. And most of them I see is black. And her walker caught my attention. Not just because it's a walker and she needs a healing, but it was red. And God said, I want you to pray for her. And I said, well, uh, well, Lord, I don't know. She may not even know you. And, and she might see even I fight that like you do. I, I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to upset her. I don't want to. No, I didn't want to embarrass myself. I didn't want rejection. Come on, we don't want that. But it ain't about you. It's about him. And what he's done for you freely, you receive now freely give. He's saying you've got these things inside of you. You're the salt. You're the light. That doesn't mean because you have salt and light. That doesn't mean turn on the light and give me pass the salt. That means there's something alive in you that has got flavor and it's bright. And people know there's something different about you. Amen. And so finally I went over and I said, ma'am, I was just noticing. And I started off with telling her how I admired her red walker. You can find things to open the door to talk about that's very simple. And I said, it's a pretty red walker. You don't see many of them. She said, yeah, I picked that out special. She began to tell me her story. We began to, the door began to open. And I said, well, the Lord has laid you on my heart. I'm not the healer, but I know he heals. And for some reason, he's got you targeted today. There's an other person over there in a wheelchair, another one in a walker. He didn't say them. He told me to come pray for you. Do you mind if I pray for you? She said, I would love it. You'd be surprised how many people really want prayer, church. Sometimes I've been told no, but very, probably one out of a hundred. So that means 99 people I get to pray for and only one usually, nope, I don't want it. Amen. They might say, yeah, pray for me, but I don't want. I've had some say, pray for me, but I don't want to be healed. And I said, why? So I, I just want the pain to stop, but I don't want to be healed because I'll lose my money. There's all kinds. I could get into different stories, but that's not the stories that the Lord's trying to tell me to tell today. And I prayed for that woman. I didn't know anything. I went on to eat my food and thought, well, you know, nothing seemed different or anything. But when she got up to leave. All of a sudden, she said, she found her way. She said, I, did, I got up fast. She said, it takes me forever to get out of my chair. And I did not realize it just now. When I got up, I got up. And I went for my walker, and I thought, I don't even think I need it. And so she's in there telling, "Woo!" she says, thank you. That, and everybody can hear by now. I thought, oh, no, they're going to line them all up, and we'll never get to eat. <laughs> Woo, well, isn't that, wouldn't that be great? Amen. It's time to be the church God's called you to be. It's time to get up and tell the stories. My favorite story, you've heard it before, but I'm going to tell it again. When my dad was closing up the tent, an ambulance pulled up. The man jumped out of the ambulance and said, I need to speak to the healer. My dad said, I'm not the healer, but I will tell him, Jesus 
this man needs to speak to you. He said, no, sir, no, sir, don't tell me you're not the healer. I was here. I saw it all. He said, I brought a girl who had tuberculosis. She had a hole in her lungs the size of a silver dollar. And she could not move. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't hardly breathe. And you laid hands and prayed for her, and she ran all over this tent. I saw the blind eyes open, the lame walk, and crutches being broken, and people coming out of wheelchairs and off of hospital beds. I ran home in my ambulance, hoping to get back here before you left. My daughter, who who's been in a coma for 12 years, who can't, who has been laid up in the bed with all these tubes in her. And they said she would never get up again. And I said, no, she will. I've got to take her to the healer, sir. My daughter is in the car. I've unhooked her from all the machines. My wife beating me, telling me, you're killing our daughter. You're killing our daughter. What are you doing? He said, please, mister, please, you've got to pray for my daughter. My dad said, bring her out of the ambulance. He pulled her out of the ambulance and pulled her in front of the, my dad. And my dad reached down and he said, Lord, I need your help. He said as he leaned, he felt something leaning with him. And he began to pray over this girl. And as he did, all of a sudden her eyes popped open. She looked over and she said, hello, daddy. He said, hello, honey, my baby girl. How's my girl? She said, daddy. Who's the man in the white suit? Said, honey, there's nobody here in a white suit. Said, yes, it is. He's standing behind that big man, and he's the one who told me to get up. <laughs> I'm here to tell you the man in the white suit is here. A man in the white suit right now, he's here. And he says, it's time to arise, take up your bed, and walk. He said, it's time to be thou made whole. I want to heal the little boy and the little girl inside of you. I want to heal the pain and the suffering. I want to heal the sickness and disease. I want to heal the torment, the depression, oppression, possession. I am here. Not I, him. For you. Stand with me, please. Jesus, the healer, who said he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Church, it's done. It's a done deal. It's receiving it. I was just reminded, seeing your boot, if you don't mind coming to sit in this chair, I don't know what happened. But there was a lady in a band, and she had on a boot like that. And she was up singing and worshiping God, even with all that on. A couple of times you could tell she was getting excited in the worship, kind of wanted, and she'd have to, oh, oh, oh. It would hurt her leg because she was getting excited. And I said, I don't know what happened to your foot, but I feel like I'm supposed to pray for your leg, your foot. She said, okay. We prayed for her. She kept saying, I feel fire. I feel fire. I feel fire. Fire in my leg. We went on from there. We went on to the church. Three days later, she's at another church. We're at with her band singing. And she come over, and she said, my foot's been on fire for three days. When I got up today... I, she said, I only put my boot on for protection. She said, but there is no pain. When I got out of bed, I went down on that foot instead of the other one. And I walked around my house. And she said, the pain is gone. 
She said, I can't wait to go to the doctor to find out that him tell me, well, we don't know what's wrong with you. You look fine to us. Amen. Amen. So while they're putting music on, or if Jenny, are you coming up? Or, or uh, got it. Okay, there it is. There it is. Amen. If you're sick and you need healing, the man in the white suit's here. I want you to come up. It's not me and Randy. I believe today there's been miracles that's happened in this church, and he's not through doing miracles in this church. He's not through with revival. I wanted to come into the stories of revival, too. I had part of that, but the Lord just stirred this way. He changed some of the things, and I believe it's because some of you are in pain and sickness and hurt, and you need a miracle today. Today is the day. If you need chairs, we'll put them up here for you, or you can sit in chairs. Yeah, but... If one of the ushers or something could bring some chairs for some of these people to sit in, that would be great. Because sometimes it takes me a little while praying for people. My husband, Randy's also going to pray with me. As you know, he told you sometimes the Lord shows him things. Shows inside of bodies and what's going on. And he's had lots of miracles happen too. So just because I'm Jack Coe's daughter doesn't mean it's not Jack Coe's daughter. It's Dr. Jesus. And it's time for him to take your cases. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, honey. 